tonight. <clears throat> I feel like I'm losing my voice. <coughs> oh, goodness. Yesterday I woke up and I felt a whole lot better. Still coughing a little bit here and there. I was pretty sick on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Uh, but Saturday I kind of woke up pretty good and went to Deacon's, uh, the board meeting. I don't know why I always insist on calling it Deacon's meeting. But a uh, board meeting and uh, got out and my family were gone. And I was like, where'd they go? And called my wife and she said, well, we're garage sailing. I said, well, come get me. <laughs> and so they came and got me. We got to go garage sailing and uh, got uh, some uh, pretty good deals. And uh, William got, was so excited because he found a compound bow. And uh, found out it was probably about a, I think it was about a $200 compound bow. Got it for $10. So <laughs> not a bad deal there. It'll be a little while before he's able to pull it back. But still, <laughs> he was excited. There were no arrows, so we're all safe. And uh, so we're good. But we had a good day, and uh, today had a good day this morning, and uh, good to see visitors this morning from visiting from people who had been here so long ago. Anybody know, remembered them? Nobody remembered them? You remember them? Did they? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I wondered because, they, they, you know, they, um, uh, they said they were married here, so I thought, well, they must have gone here at some point. Uh, but uh, you would think, at least, uh, not necessarily, I guess. Uh, but it, he, they said it did change a little bit since then. So, um, well, good. Well, let's turn to Romans 13, and we'll look at uh, this passage tonight. We're looking verse by verse uh, through the practical teachings of Romans in this section. And now in verses 8 through 10, we learn about the believer's relationship with his fellow citizens. Last week, we looked at the not-so-popular uh, topic of the believer's relationship to government. And uh, we talk, looked at that, and that uh, we need to obey our authorities. And uh, now the citizenry side of the believer's relationship continues, uh, but now it turns to uh, fellow citizens. God has a very strong desire for believers to treat other people as neighbors uh, and, and as fellow citizens of this world correctly and with uh, compassion and truth. And he starts off by expressing that we are to owe no man anything. Let's look at uh, verses 8 through 10 real quick and then we'll look at these things. But beginning verse number 8 it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is uh, briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And we're going to look at those verses here tonight. Um, and he starts off here in verse number 8. Uh, saying that you owe no man anything but to love one another. Um, it, let's you know not gloss over this phrase, owe no man anything. It is important uh, that we be careful in setting an example to our fellow citizens in paying men what, are, what is due. Um, never purchase above your ability to pay. Um, and it's a, if it's an item that needs to be paid in payments, you have to make sure that those payments are able to be met uh, within your ability to pay them. It's part of our testimony. Um, the only thing that uh, the people of this world live for is money and possessions, it seems. 
And therefore, they will judge a Christian by how they handle their finances and judge God thereby as well. Uh, so don't owe any man anything or you may uh, damage the name of Christ and push men further away from hearing the truth about Christ. Uh, Proverbs 16.8 says, Better is a little with, righteous, uh, with righteousness than great revenues without right. That's a good verse. Read that again. Better is little without righteousness. Uh, let's try that again because I'm saying it wrong. Uh, better is little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Um, it's better to be poor and righteous uh, than it is to have much and not be right. Uh, secondly, the verse uh, says we are to owe no man anything but love. Uh, we are to owe one another love, the Bible says. We are to owe that. Uh, it's expected of citizens of a country for that man or woman to obey the laws of the land. It's expected of them to be good citizens in that way. Uh, it is what is owed to that land, to that country um, as citizens. We are citizens of another country, though. Uh, Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven. That conversation is the, literally the word that uh, in other places translated citizens. Um, and behavior in other places. Uh, says our citizenship. Uh, so our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying uh, we live as though we're already there. We're to live as though we're already there. I mean, as such, we've been sent to this land to be this, our king's ambassadors. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, now then, we, uh, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Uh, our ambassadorship is for the purpose of reconciling other men to Christ. As a citizen of this land where God is king, we're bound to obey the law of the land. So what is the law of the land? The law of the land is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, which is covered, by the way, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, unto, uh, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the acting out of love for God. Uh, this is followed through, uh, uh, this is a following through of that first command, to love God. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. These are the laws of the land. Uh, verse 8 says, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And this showing of love from God's children demonstrates for the world around us what society can be. And then in verse number 9, he goes forward to expound on the other points of the commandments, specifically those of the Ten Commandments that deal with men's behavior towards his neighbor. He doesn't include the ones that deal with our relationship between God and us. It just deals with the ones that have to do with God and our, uh, with us and our neighbors. So he starts with and says... Uh, number one, love forbids adultery. Uh, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery. What is this? Uh, oh, no man anything but to love one another. For this, that love. Uh, so love forbids adultery. And of course, uh, take it from Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, here in Romans, the Greek word that is used for <coughs> is moikuyo, moikuyo, moikuyo. Um, although the original Hebrew word in the commandment spoke directly to a spouse cheating or breaking the marriage vow, 
The Greek word that God chose to use uh, through Paul is a broader term that's used. Um, this word is used in committing adultery or any sexual infidelity of any kind, whether it involves a married person or not. And love forbids this behavior. Uh, any sexual relationship outside of the marriage bond, he forbids it. Um, how can love forbid this? What does that mean? Um, relationships like this outside of the marriage bond, the Bible says, is sin against your own body. And so love forbids that because it doesn't want to, you to harm your own body. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, uh, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And so it's a sin that attacks your own self. Um, it's a sin against your body, therefore, uh, and, and, and uh, it's a sin against yourself, because against your own body, because there's no closer bond or relationship, uh, and uh, that, that, that relationship is meant for one person and one person only. And many marital problems come from past indiscretions and sins before they were ever came to marriage. Uh, and so keeping yourself pure until marriage is so important to have a good, strong marriage. And when we give in to these desires outside of the bonds that God has laid, the fence line that God has laid, um, our marriage uh, just kind of uh, uh, becomes degraded uh, through that. And uh, we end up degrading ourselves to the level of, of animals, just satisfying a need without any rational or moral concern. And when we give in to those desires outside of marriage, we uh, turn the human body into an object uh, satisfying a, a desire or passion uh, without having any commitment behind the relationship. And that's not what God's design was. And whether a married man or a married woman or a single man or a single woman, uh, outside of the bonds of marriage and the man and his wife, this kind of relationship damages the relationship that God intended us to have. And uh, so it doesn't matter if it's extramarital or premarital or even pornography or fantasy or lustful thoughts. The Greek word covers it all. And, of course, we can't forget what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, Ye have heard that it has been said of them of, them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. It does so much damage. And so love does not allow. It forbids adultery. And then secondly, he goes on and he says, Thou shalt not kill. Uh, so love forbids murder. And this is the second commandment, of course, uh, Exodus 20, 13. Uh, sixth commandment, so I said, said second. Sixth commandment, uh, thou shalt not kill. And God gave the commandment to protect human life. And life ought to be protected, amen? Um, it should be held as precious and, and be cherished. And we should never be guilty of taking a life, any life, whether it's our own life or someone else's. And once again, Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, You have heard that it is, was said by them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto thee, that whosoever is angry without, uh, with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say of his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's likening those things, and uh, he, uh, hatred and anger in that, uh, in that way uh, to be equal to murder in our hearts and minds. 
And 1 John 3, 5, 15 says, Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And so what is the answer to solving the ongoing problem with murder that we have in our society today? Uh, get rid of this anger and hate that is so per per pervasive in our society. Uh, verse 8 tells us, He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Verse 9 tells us, thou, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we love our neighbor like ourselves, we're not going to have a problem with murder. Uh, verse 10 tells us, Love worketh no ill uh, to his neighbor, as well as love is the fulfilling of the law. And we owe to God to love one another. And we owe to our citizenship in heaven to love one another. And uh, that would include, uh, of course, with not having murder or even hate. And we owe to each other that as well. Words alone will not do this. Uh, we have to dispel the anger and hate with love. Uh, love is the only thing that will counteract this. It's our responsibility to actively and openly love our neighbors so that uh, Christ, they can see the love of Christ in them. And this will, do what, this will be what removes this blight from our society. Uh, if we're going to see real change made in our society... Uh, people have to come to know the Lord as Savior. They have to come to know His love. And it's only possible uh, if we share the gospel in love to them. 1 John 4, 7 through 11 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world, that he, we might live through him. Then he goes on, he says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And uh, just as God has loved us, we need to love each other as well. Um, that person uh, that comes to Christ and sees the, uh, the love of Christ and acts upon that, they... They have to really be able to understand the love of God in that. And it does the work in their heart. Uh, when we really think and really meditate on God's love, uh, we'll begin to love one another. Uh, 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whenever we ponder and think about and perceive the love of God, their love of others automatically will follow if we truly are doing right. And a person has to seek to yield to the Holy Spirit in there. Uh, why? Because we need the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And uh, the fruit of the Spirit begins with love. And it's no accident that love is the first one. In Greek lists, they're placed in order of importance. And uh, the first one listed is love. Amen? In Galatians 5, it says, Be, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against there such there is no law. But the top of the list is love. And there's no accident to that. And the Bible tells us to follow after love. Seek after it. And a person, in order to really uh, change their heart and mind here, uh, needs to seek to obey God through this command to love his neighbor. Uh, we'll never love uh, like God wants us to love by accident. It's a, it's, we have to choose it. We have to do what's right on purpose. And it's 
Uh, it is then seen by others, and they can see the love of God through us and then come to Christ. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And he says in verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then and only then will we make a difference in the hate and the rampant murders we see around us. Uh, loving our neighbor forbids adultery. Loving our neighbor forbids murder. Then thirdly, we see in this passage, thou shalt not steal. So love forbids stealing. Uh, that, and that is to take wrongfully from another person. And by the way, the laws of men does not determine whether a person is stealing or not. Uh, we're held accountable to a higher law. And sometimes the law is used to steal. <laughs> and wicked men twist the laws of man to uh, take from other people. Uh, and sometimes people uh, take from others without even breaking any laws. And the taking of anything that rightfully belongs to another person is stealing, according to the Bible. And you may steal by taking what is actually possessed by another person. That's obvious. If we take something that's not ours, we've broken God's law. That's the obvious part of it. Uh, by the way, uh, by the spirit of the law there, borrowing without asking is stealing. Amen? Uh, if they haven't given you permission to use it, it's stealing to do otherwise. I know a lot of kids have used the excuse, I, I didn't steal it, I just borrowed it. I didn't say my kids, don't look at me like that. <laughs> uh, but kids in general, you know, I didn't steal it, I just borrowed it. No, without permission, it's stealing. And a person may steal by hoarding more than they need and holding it for themselves. And God has placed within this earth the resources that we need to meet the needs of all the people uh, that, uh, that God has given life to. And uh, if by selfishness or greed we hoard those things, uh, and require an uh, um, a, a unusual amount or uh, a ridiculous amount of money to be able to get part of our resources, uh, it's a form of stealing. Um, and take, taking more resources than is needed without uh, the benefit of those who need it and not, uh, removing the benefit of those who need it. Um, and Jesus tells us to keep our focus right. He says in Matthew 6, he says, Lay up. Not, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. And for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's the rub right there. That's the whole focus. And so many times, my sister and I were talking uh, uh, earlier today, and so many of these things that deal with these outside issues, adultery and murder and hate being the, uh, the lust being the proponent there, that's the heart. Uh, and murder, the hate, is the heart. Uh, you know, this greed and stealing and stuff like that, where your, uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, and it involves the heart. And God's concerned about the heart. The Lord told the, publican, the publicans who accepted him and got saved. And uh, what should we do now? And he says, uh, like, uh, Luke 3.13, 3, he said, He said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And he said, Do 
charge the taxes that are given you to charge. Don't charge extra and pocket it. That seems obvious, but if we transfer that to our society and overcharge for, the, for items just because we can, yes, I know supply and demand. I understand all of that, and that's part of uh, the free capital, uh, cap, uh, capitalism, and I understand all of that. But if we go ridiculous out of it, <laughs> uh, if we go to a ridiculous uh, point, uh, and the whole purpose is, is greed, uh, the Christian has held to a higher standard. And uh, we're to do right no matter what. And God will bless it if we do. Um, if our desire is to help others by gathering more than we need so that we can share equitably or be able to help uh, others that aren't able to do those, that kind of work, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you, you, you really obey a biblical principle. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. And so it's biblical to gather more than you need, but the purpose of that was to share and to help others who aren't able to do it. And so be careful about hoarding. I'm not just talking about uh, uh, toilet paper. Uh, I'm still a little bit bitter about 2020, but... Uh, no, but we gotta be, we got to be careful and, uh, and think of other people as well. And Paul told Timothy, to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. It's him that's providing it, not our setting up things. Hey, all of that is, it fluctuates, okay? We can't trust in uncertain riches. In verse 18, it says that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may be, uh, lay hold on eternal life. And what is the answer to the problem we have with stealing in our society? Love. Love is the answer. Uh, not just uh, love, 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 love. <laughs> But when they see our love and God's love through us, it changes people. And loving people will stop you from taking what's not yours as well. When you see people as a child of God or as a creation of God, as a person that bears the image of God, uh, it's a lot harder to steal from that person. And so loving our neighbor forbids adultery. Loving our neighbor forbids murder. Loving our neighbor forbids stealing. Then number four, Lying forbids, uh, let's try that again. Love forbids lying. It says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Uh, we see this phrase and we often automatically go in our minds, at least I do, uh, to a court, uh, courtroom bearing false witness. <coughs> it's definitely applicable there. But the word does speak to any kind of lying, any kind of mistruth, including things like slander, things that we don't always really think about. Uh, thinking something bad about a person and sharing it, or misrepresenting something about someone else, or tearing down the reputation of another person by spreading bad news about them, purposefully doing it. It's a, uh, it's a dangerous area. Love will prevent us because the Bible says in Corinthians, love thinketh no evil. And uh, you know, if we're thinking right and loving right, we're not going to assume the worst, and we're not going to act out the worst. Uh, things like gossip, uh, 
Uh, it may be true or not, uh, but if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, stay out of it. Amen? And we have uh, all played the telephone game, right? And we know the nature of gossip. It always ends up turning into lies. It gets worse and farther and farther and farther away from the truth. You say, well, it just got farther away from the truth. It wasn't really a lie. No, anything that's not the truth is a lie. Okay? And uh, whether we heard what we heard, or thought we heard or not, you shouldn't have said it. Amen? If you're not part of the problem, you're not part of the solution. If you are part of the problem, you're probably going to know the truth. If you're part of the solution, you're probably going to know the truth too. Okay? And so it just ends up turning into lies. And gossip is evil. It's so damaging. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. <laughs> it's not your business, amen? Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of, of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Just keep it to yourself. Uh, things like deception, just write out deception, thinking or speaking something that's not true, or leading someone to believe something that's not true, or maybe assuming something is true without verification. Uh, all of these things deal with this kind of idea of false witness. And uh, again, love thinketh no evil. Uh, Proverbs 4, 24, 28 says, Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and de uh, deceive not with thy lips. And we can go on and on, but we just need to adhere to what God tells us to do. Amen? Ephesians 4, 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put away lying, and just speak truth. And when someone see it, sins or someone fails, or you hear bad news, uh, love cease, uh, causes us to, to comfort that person, not spread the news about that person. And by the way, if you hear something and uh, you're not able to stop them from talking and you hear something, rather than thinking it through and say, man, I can't, you know, I can't believe they did that, and your mind just starts going, go to the source, verify the truth. Things have been said about me that were wildly untrue. <laughs> And I always think, if they really knew me, they would never think that's true. I've had other people say, you know, well, I never and for a moment believed it because I know who you are. Uh, but there are just some that just kind of think negatively and kind of automatically go to it. Um, you know, um, if, if you find out it is true, assume good. Uh, but if you find out it is true from the source, amen, uh, love them, because they're probably hurting, amen, and be there for them. Work for restoration rather than alienation. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be to also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Who has the responsibility to do this? Who has the responsibility to go? And, uh, and, and help that person, the one that's more spiritual. You know, we all secretly tend to think that we're the more spiritual one. <laughs> I think that's why you said that. <laughs> but whether you think you're spiritual or not, we are supposed to be spiritual. Amen? 
And uh, so we need to have the responsibility to go. Uh, loving our neighbor forbids adultery. Loving our neighbor forbids murder. Loving our neighbor forbids stealing. And loving our neighbor forbids lying. And then we see number five, love forbids coveting. It says, thou shalt not covet. The word covet means to crave or to desire. If you love your neighbor like you're supposed to love them, you'll not crave or desire what they have. And it speaks directly for the first time to what's going on inside the heart. The other ones uh, uh, are actions, but this deals with the heart, desire. <coughs> Out of covetousness proceeds many of these other sins. I covet another person's spouse, and this leads to adultery. I covet living in a world without someone else, and it leads to murder. I covet having what someone else has, and it leads to stealing. I covet uh, believing evil about someone, and this leads to lying. And so the command here is not to covet what, the neighbor ha- what our neighbor has. Keep your eyes on yourself and what you have. Amen? Be content therewith with what you have. And the 10th commandment goes into more detail about what we are not to covet. It talks about the house, and that means that's dealing with all the personal provisions. You know, sometimes I'll be driving somewhere and I'll say, man, that's a beautiful house and everything. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll think, I sure wouldn't want to clean it. <laughs> and those houses are huge sometimes. You know, that's a lot, a lot of work. Uh, don't, it continues in that verse and says, don't covet another man's wife. Uh, don't covet that companionship or that love from another spouse or woman that's not your spouse. Uh, it says, don't covet a manservant or a maidservant. That includes employees, uh, our position, another position, another employment, uh, another, uh, another authority. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side, it seems, you know. And when we have uh, uh, employment, we always seem to want and think it's going to be better somewhere else. You know, don't fall into that trap. Uh, be content with what God has given you and wait for God to move. Uh, but a manservant or a maidservant, and goes on, he says, an ox or a colt, uh, and uh, it deals with their possessions, their property, their wealth. And this is a, an exhaustive list that he lists here and things to covet. And so God adds to the end there, he says, thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. <laughs> and basically just covers it all. And keep your eyes on what's important. That's the main thing. Uh, Luke 12, 15, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Your life isn't about the things you possess. Your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. You are the child of God. That is your identity. That's what's going to last forever and ever and ever. All of these possessions... In the eye of eternity mean nothing. They're temporary. Just be content with what God has given you. Uh, If you have nothing, uh, yet you have God, you have enough. Amen? Because God will make sure that you have what you need. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says, What you have right now is enough. Just be content. Why? Because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's enough. 
And a lot of times whenever we're seeking things in the materialism of this world, we're just constantly trying to fill a hole that should be filled with Christ and the realization that he is enough and he'll provide everything that we need. So loving our neighbor forbids adultery, it forbids murder, it forbids stealing, it forbids lying, it, could, it forbids coveting. And basically, as he says here in these, in these verses, love sums up all the commands. And it says, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you're loving the way you should, you will treat your fellow citizens the way that you ought. And he wraps it all up in one command or statement, verse number 10. He says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love does no harm to his neighbor at all. And working no ill means, uh, uh, doesn't mean just physically don't do something bad to him. Uh, rather, it means it, you're thinking no evil. You're wishing or hoping no evil. You're, you're planning or devising plans that are evil. Uh, you're not practicing or doing evil against him. Or, uh, by the way, you're not withholding good from him. And the Bible clearly tells us that withholding good from a person is evil. You know, in Proverbs 3, he says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is, said, uh, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. And he said, continues, and he says, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee, has it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. If you love like you're supposed to, you'll not work evil against your neighbor. And so... What does love look like then? Uh, what does that look like? How do we treat our neighbors? How are we to love? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not going to preach a whole other sermon, uh, but uh, the Bible tells us that love suffereth, suffereth long, it endures long, is patient, and love is kind. Love envies not, it's not jealous. Love vaunts not itself, it not, doesn't brag it doesn't boast. Uh, love is not puffed up. It's not uh, um, arrogant and prideful. Uh, love does not uh, behave itself unseemly. It's not unbecoming or rude or indecent or unmannerly. It says love seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not seeking and insisting on your own rights and your own way. If we're determined for to have our own way, we're not loving like God tells us to love. Love is not easily provoked. It's not touchy or angry or fretful or resentful. And love thinketh no evil. It doesn't harbor, harbor evil thoughts. It doesn't jump to the evil conclusion. It doesn't jump to the bad and the worst in person. Uh, love rejoices not in iniquity. Uh, in, in no sin, no evil, no injustice, but he says rejoices in the truth, and justice and righteousness. Love bears all things. Boy, that's a big statement, isn't it? It beareth all things. Love believeth all things. It exercises faith in everything under all circumstances. It doesn't uh, automatically believe the lie. No, I'm going to believe the truth because I'm going to believe the best about that person until they tell me themselves that this is true. And you automatically assume the best. 
Love endures all things and never weakens. And it has power to endure. And we have the command from God to love our neighbor. And God's love is, to, is demonstrated to this world through our love. And we have a huge responsibility, don't we? People are watching us. And when we don't love like we ought to love, love like we're supposed to, the people, uh, we're not being the kind of ambassadors for the king that we ought to be. And uh, we need to represent him well. Amen? Well, uh, thank you for coming tonight. And uh, let's pray.